Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 2, An Unwelcome Guest. There's many a lass of the scientist clan that has followed her brief in a field. She has sworn, she has cursed, been ignored and abused, but a scientist never can yield. I am Frances Emmerich the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre. And you are very welcome to our second podcast in the series Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations. If you heard our first episode, you may remember that this song was originally entitled The March of the Cameron Men, written in the 19th century by Mary Maxwell Campbell but now requisitioned to herald the advance of women in science, and particularly today, those in Essex, as we begin our Minerva Scientifica project, Echoes from Essex, with Chelmsford City Theatres as part of Essex 2020. In this second episode, an unwelcome guest. Our most welcome and illustrious guest is 17th century natural philosopher Margaret Cavendish, who on this day, May the 30th, in 1667, paid a very unwelcome and dazzling visit to London's Royal Society. It would be several centuries before any other woman was invited to enter their hallowed halls. Our introduction to Cavendish comes from the music of an early 18th century composer, Elizabeth Turner, herself a celebrity in London music circles, much admired as a singer by famous composers, especially William Boyce. Sadly, we only have one of our publications, but it includes 19 songs, one of which entitled A Man That's Neither High Nor Low the text being attributed just to a lady. It stood out to me as being unusual in giving a voice to women's opinions at the time on the perfect husband, echoing Cavendish's own attitudes. The two electric voice theatre singers, Margaret Cameron and Jenny Miller, imagine themselves at an Essex ball, breaking off their conversation, which we created from Margaret Cavendish's own words to sing and dance. I think a bad husband is far worse than no husband. A rude nature is worse than a brute nature by so much more as man is better than a beast. And those that have civil natures and genteel dispositions are as much nearer to celestial creatures as those that are rude and cruel are to devils. The truth is, we women live like bats or owls, labour like beasts, and die like worms. Not that I'm ashamed of my mind or body, my birth or breathing, my actions or fortunes, for my bashfulness is in my nature, not for any crime. One may be my very good friend, and yet not of my opinion. Neither in or low in party or in stature, 
property of the men, if the woman didn't have a husband and didn't have a father, then they were a sort of collective family problem and they got shunted round from house to house. Let him be That's Neither High Nor Low by Elizabeth Turner, sung there by Margaret Cameron and Jenny Miller, with the instrumental parts realised at the keyboard by myself. You also heard the voices of two other very welcome guests, science historian Dr Patricia Farah, who is Emeritus Fellow of Clare College, Cambridge, 
and Professor Sarah Hutton, honorary visiting professor at the University of York and an historian of science and philosophy. We join them again as they discuss today's celebration of Margaret Cavendish's visit to the Royal Society in 1667. When she visited the Royal Society, by all accounts, one can only call her dressing regal. It's as if she was a princess arriving. She had a long train with several, I don't know how many page boys to, to carry it. Men seem to be very rarely judged by how they look, but it's the first thing that anybody says about women, both women and men are very conscious of how women look, and I really think it's got to change. This happens whether women dress for the occasion or not. Samuel Pepys, like a lot of other people, came just to see her. She was advertising the Cavendish name. Her husband's family, who fought for the king, felt rather hard done by the Restoration. So this was a brilliant way of letting everyone know that the Cavendishes hadn't gone away. Margaret Cavendish chose the perfect husband. He was much older than her. He was devoted to her. He was incredibly, incredibly rich. And he just indulged every whim that she had. He published all her books for her. He wrote prefaces to all her works to recommend them to the public. And he obviously supported her in all her scientific inquiries. She wrote a science fiction. A lot of people were very baffled by this at first, but until you realise that it's actually a spoof on the Royal Society and similar academies, the description of the world for the new blazing world, it involves a woman made empress who founds an academy, and then she finds a microscope so completely useless for looking at the stars. She's just sending up the whole idea that with this wonderful gadget, whole new worlds of knowledge are, are opened up. This empress has a crown carved in the shape of a sun. The way everybody thought then was in terms of Aristotle. What Aristotle said is that men resemble the sun. They're characterised by hot, dry brains, and that makes them very rational creatures. In contrast, women are associated with the moon, sort of wet and cold and silvery, not shining bright. And that means that women have got rather sort of cold, soggy brains. So they're not, not so good at thinking, but really good at being emotional. Although she did rail very angrily against the oppression of women in society, she also believed that men and women are fundamentally different. One thing she was absolutely unrepentant about was that women have brains and they are able to reason. In the words of this poem, she associates the sun with the understanding. tiny poem actually there's an awful lot going on because of all four points of words have been up to date scientifically because planets go round the sun it's the sun at the center of, at least of the planetary system she's looking forward with the new way that how things are developing in science memory is like a moon. 
That was the premiere of Firmament for soprano and tenor viol, words by Margaret Cavendish, music by Francis M. Lynch. Ah, that's me. <laughs> the viol was played by Annabelle Moulton, who lives in Waltham in Essex, and I did the singing. That's the end of episode two. Many thanks to you for listening, and to our two contributors, Dr. Patricia Farah and Professor Sarah Hutton. In future episodes, we'll hear more from them about Margaret Cavendish and we'll be featuring Essex women past and present as part of our Echoes from Essex project for Essex 2020 at Chelmsford Civic Theatres. Do join us in the meantime on June the 11th at electvoicetheatre.co.uk for episode 3 of Women of Science and Music 30 Celebrations, when we'll be joined once again by science historian Catherine Booth to celebrate the birth of one of five sisters born in Kirkcaldy in the early 1900s who all became doctors. Even the